everyone it's uh, tom and mike again we're back for uh, off the post it's uh off the post yeah it's the fun show where we answer your questions both on twitter and patreon so make sure you get them in you know each and every week because we love uh your creativity your passion and uh a lot of other words that i'm don't have I a love i love some of your some of you have good passion some of your passion is frankly misguided ladies and gentlemen and my non-binary friends of the world some of your passion is a mess um and with that needless strike against the people who support our show let's start with a question from patron gabriel vargas he wants to know tom do you think the organization has already given up on sweet little leah sanderson and has decided his ceiling is a fourth line center I hope not is the answer to that question. Uh, I wrote a story that ran on the banter on Monday, yesterday, actually two days ago. If you're listening to this yep. when uh, this goes live, so I gotta you know keep that in mind when when the, sh- the shows we record on one day post on another. But um, yeah, it's um, and I I won't beat a dead horse. I, I would say just sort of read what I wrote, and it it seems to be, uh. It's baffling to me that you have two players of similar ages, uh, Howden and, and Anderson, and both have been playing this year. Howden's been playing more. Howden had, you know, 60 odd games last year. And um, his underlying results and his, you know, counting stats were not great. But Anderson hasn't been afforded the same opportunities. So I would hope not. That he's been pigeonholed as this franchise's, you know, f- number uh, four center. Um, but yeah, it, it certainly appears to be that way when the question is broached and the the response without any elaboration is, you know, Leas has to earn more ice time. So uh, yeah. Uh, My answer for you, Gabriel, is I think organization maybe not. I, unfortunately, I'm starting to think that's what David Quinn sees him has until Leah Sanderson changes X about his game, that is the assumed prerequisite, right? The prerequisite for David Quinn to say, okay, you're ready for something bigger. The problem we have here, of course, is that Leah Sanderson is playing less than 10 minutes a night Mm -hmm. and therefore is given very little opportunity to show X to his coach, especially when his line mates are who they are. And that's the thing that's most frustrating here. It's the being put in a position to fail. Um, and that's where I think Leah Sanderson finds himself. And frankly, I assign the blame to that uh, on David Quinn. Um, for what, one of the reasons why is you mentioned, Tom, that Brett Howden is a player in a similar situation. But guess what? Uh, the Rangers have more invested in Leah Sanderson. At least they should. And also, frankly, they should be doing more uh, to make this kid comfortable and to help him develop, uh, he's been he's been under an unfair amount of pressure since he was drafted, and the fact you know Larry Brooks had an article saying, you know it might be time for the Rangers to think about moving him, and when you're a team in a in a build and a rebuild, Tom, and you're looking at trading away a guy who was very recently a top ten pick, I think you have to do that very carefully. Even if, let's say, the the ceiling for someone like Leas is a second-line center, you I still think you have to proceed with extreme caution. It is not a trade you can mess up. And I know some people are just saying, boom, 
Anderson for Pugliarvi. I think we need to pump the brakes on that. I, I'm. It makes me a little trigger happy in terms of my criticism of David Quinn when I know I've gotten a little bit of heat from our listeners that I've been very patient with Quinn. But this is one of those examples where I just don't understand what David Quinn's trying to do with this kid. He's giving him two minutes a night on the penalty kill and seven minutes a night at even strength playing with Brendan Smith and Michael Haley. Like, what, what, is, he, what is he supposed to do? What, like, what is he supposed to do in terms of proving his game to his coach when he's playing with a guy who's probably not good enough to be in the NHL in Haley and a guy who's a defenseman playing wing? Score a goal with a piano attached to his back. Of course, it's yeah, or that's simple. Piano or two, and uh, it's it's just so frustrating to me. Um, yeah. So now that yeah, I mean, that was a tough one, and we we wanted to get into it in the flagship actually because Brooks's article and Tom wrote his own great piece about that. But man, it's frustrating with with Leas, right? Um, and you know what? This connects to another question we had, uh, Tom from Dan Carosi. How do you think? The Leas Anderson saga will play out. I think it will play out with a trade eventually. Um, I think the interesting thing is there was speculation about would the Rangers do a Leas Anderson for Yessi Pugliarvi trade? Well, mm. we find out to, it was either yesterday or today that Yessi Pugliarvi is going to be staying in Finland for the entirety of the season. Um, so with that being the case there's a little impetus to force a trade or try and you know swing a trade before the um rfa deadline so such a move probably wouldn't involve anderson in that case but um i think that once sabanajad is back whenever that may be although we haven't really gotten many um you know substantive updates on how far away he is we know he will not travel when the team goes to florida um the rangers will have a decision to make if if they're going to keep strom in the lineup as a center and scratch anderson or they're going to move strom to wing and push everyone else down but um if things continue the way that they are and by all accounts because of how howden's been handled there's very really little reason to believe much will change um there's not going to be room for Elias anderson and it's unfortunate that that's the case and uh yeah i I, that's really all i i gotta say about that yeah i how do i think it'll play out i think it'll play out it's going to be a disappointment one way or another i would like it to play out in Elias anderson is moved up to the third line center of this team before the season's over uh i I feel like it's. It was. I listened to the first period of the uh, of the Florida Rangers game on the radio, and he was their intermission interview. And they asked him, "Did you get to learn anything watching the game uh, when you were a healthy scratch?" And he said, "Not really." And he said he was he was on in the weight room during the game, and he just had hockey on the TV. And he said, "You know, you always learn when you watch hockey, but you know he's." You can tell there's a little bit of frustration from a kid who is really kind of mature beyond his years after being perceived, I think, as a bit of a hothead, um, you know, with, with tossing the middle and everything. But, like, I don't know, buddy. I just hope there's a happy ending. It's a tough question, Dan. 
I want nothing more than a happy ending here. I, I think we're we're headed like we're headlong towards a disappointing ending. I the other thing that you know, Larry Brooks, I think a good point you made in his article is what possible return could the Rangers hope to get in a trade of Leah Sanderson? The Rangers have done nothing but just devastate his value on the market. Exactly. And they continue and that's the shame to do of it. it. And they continue to do it. Um Let's move on to a, a thoughtful question here, Tom. From Kenny, do the good parts of life make the bad parts worth it? Uh, I would say so, because it's those things of... You, well, fuck, I hope so. Yeah, because when... Of you, course they do, Kenny. You're fucking, what's, what's wrong, buddy? You're having, the good parts you're ha- are always make the bad parts worth it. It's like, it's it's a balance. You, you come to appreciate... You know all the good in your life when you have you know those you know those down moments. Um, you know something doesn't go your way. You you think of the times where the things gone your way, and you know when things go your way, it's like man, you know I remember I was feeling crummy the other day. Um, but you, yeah, you always you gotta you can't just live life for you know one set of moments or get too focused on one set of moments. It's 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 a I think like you know. I mean, it's it's one thing my grandmother used to say to me, and a lot of people say, you know, you know, life is you know a marathon, not a sprint, and it's it's time, it's experience, it's you're gonna have extreme highs, extreme lows, you're gonna have some stuff in between, but you know, more than anything else, you know, life is a journey, and you may think of something as like um, you know a really bad moment now, and five years go by, and you look back and like you go, well, you know this was a teaching moment for me or this wasn't as bad as I, I thought as it was. So, yeah. You, I think of also, I was watching Zombieland the, uh, the other day and I forget what rule number it is, but it's uh, always enjoy the little things. So, yeah, the, the good things. Uh, my takeaway on this is the good parts of life always make the bad parts worth it. Uh, as someone who's dealt with depression for... Uh, since I was 13, so for two decades of my life now. Um, I can tell you the good parts make the bad parts worth it because it adds pers- like context and perspective to everything. And when you get when you have those shitty days or those shitty moments, you're going through a rough patch and then you're you have like you get to like, oh yeah, look there there are puppies in the world. There are golden retriever puppies. It's all right. things are gonna be okay. There are corgis in the world, you know? And mostly, th- those are just the dog things. We, we could branch out to non-dog things. But Kenny, it, things are okay. The bad parts, every, every storm has its end. That's one of my important guiding principles of my life is uh, a favorite quote of mine from Winston Churchill is, if you're going through hell, keep going. The idea being, every shitty day has its end, every rough period has its end. Just keep swimming. Just, just keep, keep swimming. swimming. Um, if Mika remains injured through the trade deadline, do guys like Strom or, God forbid, Leas get... Will they still be dealt? Also, if Leas and Strom get moved, will we see Boo or Letary get called up if Mika is still day-to-day? Or will, will it be McKeg Haley? So there's a lot there from, uh, from less than Josh. I would say that if... The Badget is still out by the trade deadline, then we've got a lot of fucking problems. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah. If if 
Zbigniew, who they refused to put on IR, uh, he's not making the trip to Florida with the team, and you know we still are under these. It's just a neck thing, right? Um, if if let's say if Mika is re-injured or if there's an injured in like a more su- substantial injury here, yeah, Strom would still get dealt. I think Leas would be dealt for a different reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't think. The only thing that happens if Mika's hurt is that the ride is just rougher to deadline day. I don't think anything will change, right? Well, yeah, and if that were the case, I would say that this team is going to be at a disadvantage because you're, yes, Strom is, is, shooting, the, is shooting the lights out now and they're, you know, producing, but that too may come to an end. Um, and again, all of the moves that the Rangers make or they don't make, it's in this, you know, context of the thing they call the build. So, fundamentally, maybe they're in a playoff spot come trade deadline, but um, I still think that you don't make moves or not make moves for the now when the goal is the future, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense to me. It's I just think it, it wouldn't impact it one way or the other, I guess. Um, yeah. From Tim, hey Mike and Tom or Shana or Adam or Kevin or anyone not named Joe, what can the Rangers do to improve their advanced stats and what is a good resource to better educate myself with advanced stats? It's funny you ask, Tim. I just wrote a analytics primer for Sporting News um, and I'm excited to say that it, it might be a, something of a series I do for them. Um, looking forward to that as a way to kind of uh, gently guide people into who might not be familiar with analytics, but... Uh, a great place to start like, is to look at things like analytics primers. I, I would hope that the one I recently put together is a good one. I f- focus on the core concepts. Um, for advanced stats in terms of getting, like, treading deeper into that water, I would say Natural Stat Trick and Evolving Hockey are tremendous resources. Hockey Graphs is a tremendous resource. Uh, looking at it's a place I'm very proud to be a contributor of, um, even though I feel like a total sham that they have welcomed me into their group. But uh, you can look at those places to see data and also kind of studies and, and research things like how tools are developed and how we can apply them. You can read at Hockey Graphs. And also, you know, Blue Banner is, you know, we have a lot of stuff we talk about analytics. But uh, how do the Rangers improve their advanced stats? Tom, I think the answer to this question is... Uh, roster personnel change and coaching staff change. Uh, yeah, like, I would say replacing Lindy Ruff would help a great deal. Because um, there's the, a philosophy in play, uh, and uh, you mentioned this, you know, a lot in the flagship. I think is the this team chooses to dump and chase a lot. They choose and concede to, the blue line, and they concede the blue line, and they do yeah. all these things that analytics tell us are just bad. Because you, generally speaking. In a very simple way to phrase it, you want to generate a higher percentage or even just a higher amount. You just want to out-ratio the opposition in quality shots attempts. Um, the idea being there, you have a higher chance of scoring goals. So, you know, you can look at it simply like, I just want to outshoot my opponent, but the quality of shots matter. And that means limiting shots from dangerous areas and generating them from your own dangerous areas is what you want to do. Uh, the range is very bad at that. Very bad at uh, the shot share in general. I think on the flagship we mentioned, what was it, Tom? The Carolina game 
was 71 to 29. Yeah, it was share. really bad. Uh, uh, that's, that's is a, I've, uh, there's, there's, there has to have been worse, maybe even worse this year, but holy crap is a 71 to 29% ratio in the shot share at five on five is, is rough. And like the, the Canes have been an analytics darlings for a while and the Rangers are the opposite of that. But yeah, uh, it does come down right to Lindy Ruff and really the personnel of the team. And like, if, if you have Mark Stahl, you know, I know Mark Stahl is injured, but also, you know, like the Rangers don't have a lot of guys who throughout the lineup, like they don't have a third line that is great at like outplaying other teams, third lines. You know what I mean? They're Rangers for the most part are a shallow team, I'd say. Yeah, and the one thing I would also add if in the question of, you know, learning more about uh, analytics, you know, you can start, you know, if you're not already, um, you know, following Shane on Twitter, you know, Allison Lucan from The Athletic. You yeah, know, Allison Sean, has great work. Sean Tierney tweets charts daily and sort of explains, you know, where teams fit in, where individuals um, sort of fit in, you know. A good place to you know, start for some people might be Viz. And so, like, following... Uh Micah Blake, Blake McCurdy yeah. and looking at hockeyviz.com and mm-hmm. because if you look at like a, at a heat map of where shots are coming from with the appreciation of of shot quality that'll help tie things in um, I think to some people maybe the viz stuff might be overwhelming because it's just so much but uh, the, it's like the best thing about analytics is you can learn as you go and tackle new things like uh recently i've been trying to get more comfortable with um you know replacement level stats and things like uh you know goals above replacement things of that nature a lot of the work that they're doing it with the evolving wild twins so you know just uh the the thing is no like even the people who are working analytics and are, are developing stats and tools like everyone's still learning and uh the best thing you can do is ask questions. It's, you know, it's the because overwhelmingly, I'd say the analytics community is a very inclusive and welcoming one. They like questions. They like people who express interest in it. So, you know, ask questions. You know, go to some of those sites, read some articles, and you know, ask questions on Twitter. And you know, you can poke someone like Shana or Tom or me, and maybe I'll point you in the right direction. Chances are, Tom or Shana will point you in a much more accurate right direction. But yeah. Talk to people. People are nice. Good things that way, the bad things, right, Tom? Yep. Asking questions is how we find things out. Uh, this is another Leah's question, so maybe we should have grouped this together, but a little, little all over the map here. So from Clem Fandango, if Anderson is responsible enough to be a penalty killer, then what does he need to do to earn more 5-on-5 five five time? Should we question Quinn's talent evaluation since uh, Brett Howden seems handed ice time? Well... Nemesnikov was relegated to the fourth line and now has 11 points in 14 games with the Senators. Um, we really touched on a lot of this already. It's, I don't know. It's a, it's like, I just, I don't want to rehash myself. It's what does David Quinn expect Leah Sanderson to show him? Right. Playing the role he's playing. And I, it does really just drives me nuts that Nemesnikov has had the success he's had in Ottawa because the Rangers gave him up for nothing when they chose to keep him around and they chose to buy Kevin Shanker. Yeah, and the Senators are going to be able to sell him for a good bounce. Yeah, and they're going to him, we got an AHL little defenseman out of it, Tom. It's not enough. It's not enough, Tom. 
Nope. It's not enough, Tom. Tom, what's your favorite ice cream? Cookies and cream. That's because of your sweetheart. Um, not really a question, but man, am I sick and tired of Leas not getting any proper deployment? Uh, fish cake. Me too. We, we were just talking about it, for God's sakes. Avery Rules. Is Joe alive? I talked to him on the phone today. He's dead inside, but he's alive. Um, Jamie Bussold? Jamie Bussold? Uh, hey, Tom and Mike. Look, someone's saying Tom now. Tom, look at that. Um, how do you think the Rangers handle Jesper Fast? Is he a goner? Thanks, boys. This is fun to me, Tom, because... Probably. Jesper is the guy who I think everybody loves. Old school hockey people love Jesper. Analytics people love Jesper. He's great. Dogs love Jesper. Cats love Jesper. And he, he's a pending free agent, though. and that's He's going to get paid. And, and he uh, should get paid. More than the Rangers are probably willing to give. And um, Faust has done his job as a guy in the bottom six for a good part of his career. Uh, his offensive output has increased year over year, and um, he is going to be someone that a, a serious cup contender would love to trade for to solidify um, their penalty kill, their third or fourth line. And um, yeah, he is I love a, him. a great depth player for a great team. That's what Jesper Fast is. And the Rangers are not that. The thing is, like, if we fast forward three years from now, this team would love to have another Jesper Fast, right? But mm-hmm. I don't think they want the thirty-year-old version of Jesper Fast. Exactly. And that's the that's the real kick in the pants here. Is like, it's like the Kevin Hayes situation. It's like, oh, this team needed a center, and we traded away Kevin Hayes. But there's the contract issue, and of course the like the term and everything, and. It's like if Kevin Hayes was a couple years younger or what have you, it might be a different conversation, but it's where the Rangers found themselves. And there's a similar situation here with Jesper where it's everyone goddamn loves Jesper for good reason. He's he's a he's a lovable player. He does everything you can ask him to do. He's one of those guys who seems to always punch above his weight when you move him up in the lineup, even when it seems like a bad decision. And he works his ass off. And he's earned you know, that alternate captaincy the hard way, really. Uh, he's a player I think a lot of other guys admire. And, you know, this is a sixth-round pick that has become a really beloved Ranger. And uh, we don't see a lot of success stories like that. He is a great success story. But like you said, Tom, he's someone's going to want him at the deadline. A good team's going to know how frustrating it is to play against Jesper Fast, and they're going to want him. And... Hopefully the Rangers get a, a lot for him because uh, that's what he's worth. He's worth a lot. He's a incredibly valuable role player. You know, he's he's a top shelf role player, and whatever team is lucky enough to get him will be really damn lucky. Um, Alex Cleef, on a scale of one to ten, how unlucky was Panarin on Sunday, Tom? I'm assuming he's saying on the uh, the whiff of the. Um the chance in the three-on-three, and I would say he scores that goal nine times out of ten, so I would say in terms of being unlucky with, you know, one being barely unlucky and ten being hella unlucky, I would say a nine out of ten. I'd say a lot. I'd say a lot of it unlucky. Um, The thing is, like we said this on the flagship, 
he's just so good. I'm never worried. We just need him to be healthy. Um, but yeah, that was it. Was sad. I love three on three hockey is outstanding. I'm starting to wish it lasted more than five minutes. I want the ten minute three on three and just see what the hell happens. Uh, from David L. Singer, why is Kako not on the first line instead of fast? What does buying out Shaddy instead of Stahl say about the competence of those making that decision? Uh, I'll answer the first part. Uh, okay. And then, so Why no Kako on one line, Tom? Why no Kako? I think that they want to... They don't want to rush him along. They don't want to um, have his spirit crushed against really good teams top lines and top defense pairs so i think they wanted to build his confidence up where he wasn't scoring he wasn't getting on the score sheet offensively but now that he's sort of um he's getting that that mojo back i think at some point we'll see it um obviously like we had mentioned a bit on the flagship when sabanajet comes back it will beg the question of destrom move down in the lineup or move to the wing and then Foss goes down, and then you keep everything else status quo. Um, so there's that. And then as for the Shaddy over Stall, I feel like I've said everything that I've wanted to say about the Shattenkirk buyout and how bad I felt it was and how, you know, they probably regret making the decision. But um, I'm pretty much – I don't want to talk about that anymore because it just is a, a frustrating topic. Wow. Look what you did, David. You made Tom sad. Why is Kako not on the first line instead of Fast? Uh, David Quinn. Um, I think trying to understand every decision David Quinn makes is is, uh, is an exercise in futility, especially when it comes to line matchups and defensive pair matchups, which I know he probably doesn't have as much influence on. Uh, but he's still, at the end of the day, he's the head coach. I, I would really like to see Kako, given a ton of opportunity, a ton of ice time. I love that we're seeing him on the power play. I think that's helped him gain his confidence. Starting to get some points on the power play is a great help. Uh, what What does buying out Shaddy instead of Stahl say about the confidence of those making that decision? Um, I'm not a general manager. I'm not a... I, I didn't... like. Gordon got to where he got by doing a very good job as an assistant GM in Boston. Um, and, you know, I think overall I would say he's made more good moves than bad moves, but he has made a lot of troubling moves of late. And I would say the Shaddy buyout was a troubling move. I just feel like it wasn't the best path forward, but you've heard us talk about that a lot already. Just like Tom, you know, I've reached a, a point of exhaustion with it. But I would say it, I competence is a tough word because I don't feel like saying... They were just wrong. They had their reasons. I just... Uh, if if It surprises me that the team with Quinn was so quick to just be like, yes, we're willing to scratch Mark Stahl when he seemed bulletproof, um, when Kevin Shattenkirk was anything but the season before. And this defense would be better with Shattenkirk playing on his offside than with Mark Stahl on the left side. I think that goes without saying, right, Tom? Oh, I 100% agree. And so, yeah, it, what does it say about the confidence? Uh, you know, it's, that's kind of what I think, if I guess what you want to call new school thinking or, 
you just want to call it Rangers bloggers or or just the way we feel. Um, but you know, I'm I'm I would bet a lot of money that Jeff Gordon knows more about talent evaluation and managing the salary cap than I do. I just feel like in this particular instance, he made a, the wrong call, and it was a tough call to make. And he had a lot on his plate and a, a lot of big contracts coming in. And he was probably eager to, to move Kevin Shattenkirk's cap hit out. But Rangers are paying $6 million in dead cap next year, Tom. I don't get it. Uh, our last question from the other Eric Carlson. Apple fritters are the best donut-type bre- breakfast pastry. Bagels don't count since they reign supreme. On a scale of 1 to 10, how wrong am I? Tom? How wrong is Eric Carlson? I mean, like, I don't understand the whole bagels don't count thing here, or they're not factoring into this, but I do enjoy myself a a nice uh, apple fritter. Uh, you're wrong, Eric Carlson. Cinnamon sticky buns are the best be- breakfast pastry. You want raisins on it? nature's candy put raisins on it you want fucking chop nuts on it chop them up choppity chop put it on it always good i've got nothing against an apple fritter but i think apples work a little too hard to make themselves appetizing they work really hard you know who doesn't have to work hard is brown sugar and cinnamon it's as american as cinnamon pie I guess see if I said apple pie I would have fucked myself Tom um, it's a tough question everyone has their own taste uh, everything bagel with cream cheese or very warm butter is still my go to in the breakfast and I love a breakfast sandwich yeah but, but I'm with you why can't we count bagels here it's obviously a, a it's a baked good it's a it's a breakfast pastry I Donuts love apple fritters too. and I love bagels and I love croissants and Croissant. Yeah. All fun I've got stuff. nothing against a croissant, but hear me out. Have you had a sticky bun? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think the last time I've had one. Well, the show's over until Tom eats a sticky bun. That's that's that. And with what? that, <laughs> it's the end of our show, I guess. That was that was our mailbag. You have any parting words for the lovely people, Tom? Um Thank you again for uh, you know subscribing to this podcast and submitting your questions through Bannering Points and uh, Patreon. And uh, we will be back again next week for some more fun and excitement. And uh, we hope you you Thank join us again. Ass we will, Tom. Toodaloo, everybody. Toodaloo.